Blog Talk Radio. Hi, how you doing? Oops. Hi, how you doing? Where am I? Okay, there we go. I'm Lee Gaylord, and I want you to know that I am hoping that you are listening to me. <laughs> I was have been involved with the justice system since 2002. One of my uh, first web pages was for a young man on death row in Texas. And over the last three years, I've been out of action because of medical problems, but I'm getting back into it now. I looked up my friend on death row in Texas and found out that the uh, good old boys in the state of Texas murdered him. Because that's what execution is. That's murder by the government. I don't see anywhere in the Ten Commandments where it says, thou shalt not kill unless you're the government. To me, only God has a right to take a life. And I'm sure that Hassan Shakur, also known as Derek Fraser, was innocent. But Derek, when I contacted him and he contacted some letter back to me, he was 25. He was on death row. He was... He was, uh, uh, I think he said he was 18 when he went, I'm not sure about that, but he was executed on August 31st, 2006. Texas is a state that killed more people than any other state. United States is one of the uh, top countries when it comes to executions. And to me, it's sad because we sit there and complain about other countries, and yet we do the same thing in our country. Granted, we were, I think we were fourth in 2007, and so, you know, it's, to me, it's a waste of life, and to me, it's murder. People want executions because they're vengeance. They don't realize that. First of all, if you talk about money, executions cost more than having the the guy in prison for life. 
it doesn't cut down on the murder rate. In fact, the states with executions have a higher murder rate than the states that don't execute prisoners. So there's really no good reason. So anyway, I want to tell you about Hassan. Hassan Shakur, for a young man, he struck me as being very wise. And his writings were very good. His artwork was good. Um, my show page, you probably notice that I have some of his artwork on a slideshow in the blog section. I'm going to read you some of what Hassan has written to me and uh, for my website. This is he calls reflections. You know, we all sometimes sit back and things come to our mind that make us happy. And of course, sad as well. Sometimes there are things that make us cringe. Last night I received a letter from an old childhood friend. I think I had not heard from her in over 10 years. I was so happy to hear from her because when I moved to New York City, she was really the first friend I had. She brought back plenty of memories, which in turn made me reflect a lot on my past life in general. Being incarcerated in Texas' infamous death row, one has plenty of time to reflect and think about things. A lot of what-ifs run through a person's mind. Some sit back and think of better ways to perfect their crime. And this is just simple reality of prison and criminals. I call it reflecting, but I look forward to the future. I always wonder what I would do and how I would do it to reach out to people and to help them. Funny, I am in dire need of help, and I am on death row, but I always think of helping others. My friends, I make the teary-eyed because other health and safety are my main concern. When I am down here fighting the state, I am not trying to get killed down here. When I really do reflect, I reflect on where I came from, and then I know why I am like I am in helping people. I come from direct poverty. I was raised in government housing. 
I didn't have much, but what I had, I cherished, like it was the best in the world. My mother, a sweet lady, did her best for a young man like myself. She died, and I died right along with her. Then there are people in my life that are still there. And a major influence, uh, excuse me, uh, a major influence on my life on these people I'll never forget. Drugs, gangs, and guns. All that was everyday norm. But even though it was everyday norm, I really didn't fall victim to it until my older years. Besides that, I reflect on the best times I ever had. Because even though oh, we had it tough, I still had a blast. Because it seems like the less you have, the more unity that there is. The more unity, the more fun you find yourself having. Simple fun, and you know. A lot of people are not happy when poverty strikes. But let's really ask one another something and see if you can really answer it. Can money and riches bring happiness? My open and honest opinion is no. Not only that issue, but money can't bring my money back. I cringe. I think that was my mother back. I cringe at this thought. Money can't bring me happiness, but justice has a price. Poor politics strike every day and then you have people that cannot become free or cannot gain the proper attention that is needed to save their life not just in the judicial system by the way but justice is simple term is of life life is terribly unfair and everyone knows it one thing we must realize is that even though it isn't fair, it is life period. My reflection always leads me back to this every time. My reflection doesn't have a grand design to it. No specific purpose, either for me to write this, but hopefully reflect a picture in your frame of mine that can possibly be developed into a positive life force. We all have thoughts, wishes, and aspirations. The thought process is the greatest factor to understand. Plain of the mental mistakes of ignorance of other people to become in power of any situation. That's poor politics, and the politicians that do the politicking. 
But before I do go back to racking my brain with my thoughts and my reflections, I do not want to leave you something to think about, and that is look at your reflection. Are you satisfied with what you see? Get out, get up, and do something about it. Don't sit around and think selfish thoughts of self-righteousness, but think of selflessness. And go out there and do something positive in your life. You never know what can happen and who you will touch. Maybe when you come back, you will see a set of different thoughts that stick to one topic. Smile. Our next thing written by Hassan is about prison conditions. Let's tell you what his life was like. One thing I think about is that Hassan has gone from this earth. But when we die, our body dies. Our soul lives on. And I feel that Hassan is up there looking down on us. And I hope he has found a way to continue his fight against the death penalty. I hope that he finds a way to get into people's minds and let them know that the death penalty is not the way to go. This may sound crazy, but some people tell me I am crazy. But I do know that there is life after death. And I do know that Hassan is in a better place. Though I'm sure he would rather be alive even in prison. He would rather be hopeful that someday the truth will come out and he will be free. Now he is free. But I'm sure he would have rather be on this earth and free. And free. This is Simon wrote about prison conditions. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. I pray that this message gets to you and finds you in the best health and strength possible. As of myself, us doing the best possible under those conditions. I will not waste your time. I am sending you this message in hopes that it will shed light on the real situation going on in the Texas prisons, the staff and the prisoners as well. 
I am a prisoner housed in the infamous Polanski unit. And yes, I am on death row. But my telephone just acted up a little bit. Uh, if this message reaches you, it is by God's grace that I did because I am a whistleblower on the conditions and the treatment of prisoners within the entire American penal system. Recently, the Polanski unit was visited by a commission on accreditation for corrections and American Correctional Association. These are nonprofit organizations directing accreditation of correctional programs in the U.S. and other countries. This audit of this prism was conducted during the week of September 9th through 12th, 2002. For the sake of me, I cannot figure out how this person passed this audit at all. We received notice from the warden, Warden Zeller, that this person passed the audit and he was pleased with what we had done, yada, yada, yada. Truth of the matter is, the prison is so faltered from its program all the way down to its structure. And uh, no way it was possible to pass a type of inspection or audit unless the auditor was a blind person. Allow me to explain some of the conditions. The mail is allowed a 48 72 hour review inspection by the mailroom. If it is found to be a threatening of gang-related letter, it is handed over to gang intelligence or denied. Why is it that regular incoming mail takes five to seven days for a prisoner to receive it? This is not counting the days that it has taken to reach a prison. The administration has taken it upon itself to limit us to 60 stamps a month that we can purchase. Quite frankly, I spent 45 to 50 stamps in two weeks just maintaining my legal proceedings. Prisoners on death row fight every day for their lives. We have no release date or parole date. We have an execution number. We utilize 60 stamps in one month. You must ask the warden for permission to purchase additional stamps. This is comforting. In the past, the mail was picked up by a, the TDCJ correction officers. But due to the fact that the prison mail is coming up missing, 
and that some of uh, were getting strange letters from people who just happened to work in prisons. This was changed. Her mail was now collected by the mailroom workers. However, the same problems have continued to occur. I, for one, have had my mail tampered with and must threaten to file federal mail tampering charges just to receive my mail. One mailroom employee, Mrs. Opaglia, has a history of not giving you your materials. She is in charge of publications. Her supervisor, Mrs. Long, does nothing to stop this because she also is found doing the same thing. I've had letters, legal mail, pictures, religious materials, magazines, all come up lost in the mailroom. This now leads us to the grievance department. Let us talk about the staff in itself. I recall one situation in which this very typewriter I'm typing on was handled incorrectly upon having my cell ransacked by an officer, Officer Jerry Fender. The cover of my typewriter was broken. Of course, the officer denied blame. I then asked to speak with the supervisor, Sergeant Philip Griggs, came and I explained the situation. His reply was, I don't have time for this shit. Officer Fender, write him a case. This took, was on 10-30-01, October 30, 2001. Let's move to the humane living conditions. I was in the cell for 23 months which was very moldy, which can and will become toxic. I had extremely bad leaks from the ceiling being completely cracked and broken and the wall having a hole in it where I could look directly out and see the next building. This allowing the elements of nature to come in and allowing it to become infested with ants. The plumbing was deplorable. When another cell flushes, the feces and or urine come up into my toilet. Upon writing the warden on these issues, he did nothing to rectify the situation. He was too busy fighting with his own daughter for dating a man of African descent. The cell has yet to be fixed. Taxpayers have spent their hard-earned money to building this prison under the guise of it being a solid supermax prison. Not even 10 years later, the building is falling apart. The picket on the Delta Pod 12 building is molding. The officers don't want to work around uh, that themselves, but I lived with it for 23 months, and now, and I now experience a breathing problem because of it. The living conditions get worse. 
There are still fecus and urine caked up on the top of the bars from the last this group of prisoners that were there. And we have been here for two years now. The floors have dirt, syrup, fecus, urine, old food from trays, tobacco, and uh, that is spit out by officers. Tobacco is illegal in penal institutions in Texas. Even common over in here. Raw sewage comes up from the pipeline and Delta pot. You smell what your neighbor is doing, sometimes you see it. We aren't allowed uh, nail clippers, so the officer brings around a pair that they claim are sterile. Why is it that uh, there's gunk, filth, and rust all over these nail clippers? Over 400 men use the same pair of clippers for their toes and fingernails. The same goes for the hair clippers. To avoid contracting hepatitis C, most of us would rather bite our nails off. We are also forced to shave, which to have no problem with. However, there are men who cannot shave with an electric razor. Therefore, they have stopped allowing us to purchase them. We are forced to attempt to get shave pass where we are taken to get shaved with the same clippers they cut over 2,000 prisoners' heads with in this unit. You must place the very same clippers on your face. But in order to get a shave pass, you must first destroy your face with a straight razor that you cannot shave with. You must shave with a razor and force yourself to break out extreme pain bumps for them to issue you a pass. This was declared cruel and unusual punishment by the Supreme Court. I have also personally seen and heard and experienced officers verbally and physically abusing prisoners. I have been called racially motivated slurs. I have been called religiously motivated slurs. Though I am of the stronger mind here, some others cannot accept it that way. So deprivation runs rampant. People, this is the only tip of the iceberg. I'm only giving you a brief description of the problems. It continues to get worse and worse. I have my own publication in which I describe these things that go on down here. And uh, this has made me one of the people to watch down here. You can gain more information at www. Well, I'm not going to uh, give this because I'm really not sure that it's still a good look. Um, a good like
put and you can find out exactly how this place passed the audit you may contact American Correctional Association Standards and Accreditation Department if you go to my website the justice system go to the innocent page that has all the innocent people listed you can get Hassan's website and it has uh, it's also reproduced on my show page if you get this message please respond to it by emailing me your thoughts on your situations of course you can't do that now since he's deceased as I said, this is only the tip of the iceberg. There is certainly more to this, and I wish to share more of this. Do you know that this message has been sent to several newspaper editors as well? So I do hope that there is a response from you. Things are not what people think. True, we don't serve the Hilton. But at least get up all the Motel 6. They leave the lights on for you. In solidarity, Hassan B. Shakur. Hassan... I feel is a good man. And when I heard about his death, I was very sad. His first letter to me had this paragraph in it. I have been incarcerated for five years. This was in 2002 on this case. I am only 25 years of age, and I have been doing this for a few years, but took it seriously and took my own direction just a year ago. I just got tired of people complaining and not even attempting to offer any avenue of solution. Why complain if you choose to do nothing at all? My motto, do something or shut up. That is my motto, and basically I stick to it. In this situation, it is that I am in. It is very hard to do certain things without being taken as a militant of any American or something of that nature. I am African, Muslim, young and look like the late Tupac I suppose to not be a conscious mind like I am but uh, I refuse to be stereotyped into this or any other category at all 
I come from a hard background, and I've had my share of loss. What I'd like you to do is take a go to Google or one of the other search engines and put Hassan Shakur in there. It's H A S A N S H A K U R or Derek Fraser. D E R R I C K F A R S I E R. Take a look at the websites. There's a lady that I found, Walada, the bad sister. And her writings you'll find that way too. And she, I think, will tell you pretty much the way it is. And if you go to, uh, www.walidah.com She has two essays about her son. One is called Hassan Shakur's Last Word, The Struggle. And the other one is called Hassan Shakur Amrun on Death Row. And read what she has to say. Hassan's said the day before his execution or before his execution whether they murder me or not on Friday I'm telling you watch I'm a do. The ancestors are going to be proud. Like I say, I was sad to hear that the world lost a man I felt was a great man. Now, I'm sure a lot of people will say, well, he was on death row. That means he was a murderer. A lot of people on death row are innocent. And a lot of times 
their innocence is never proven. I know of others on death row who have been murdered by the states and they were innocent. One of them I know was innocent because a real killer threatened my life. So, think about it at least. Another thing that people don't realize is that well, in Texas, they're pretty fast on executions. The son had a stay of execution, and the stay was lifted, and within two hours he was dead. Uh, most of the states, if the person is executed, usually they're on death row for about 20 or even 30 years. One man was on there for 33 years, and I believe he was innocent too. People say, uh, you know, They'll sit there and say, well, these guys don't deserve any good treatment. But you got to realize, like I said, a lot of them are innocent. And besides that, they're human beings. By the time a person is executed, they are not the same person who went on the death row in the first place. People change and after 10, 15, 20, 30 years, they're different people. Some of them are worse than what they were before. And a lot of them are better. Some get involved in religion. Hassan became, went to Islam. And for him, that was the right thing. A lot of people, a lot of Christians, are very anti-Islam, but when you look at the different religions in the world, most of them have a lot of the same ideas. I find that many Christians do not lead a Christian life. If they did, we wouldn't have the religious wars that we do in those in the Muslim faith who become uh, terrorists and try to uh, say that the Muslim religion is the only religion and that 
Christians and Jews should be exterminated. They aren't true Muslims. They're fanatics. Sad thing is that our last president, in many ways, was a religious fanatic. He was very much for the death penalty, too. How can a person that calls himself a Christian be for the death penalty? There are people that say, well, the Bible said eye for eye, tooth for a tooth, and a life for a life, and all that other stuff. But then the Ten Commandments came along. And they definitely say, thou shalt not kill. They don't say, unless you're the state or the government. They say, thou shalt not kill. And to me, the... Christian leaders that preach for the death penalty are not only wrong, but they're going to be going straight to hell. And I'm not saying it's just Christians. I mean, Muslim uh, countries, some of them have, do have the death penalty. And most of the Christian countries now, I think, have gotten rid of the death penalty. I understand the state of New Mexico has gotten rid of the death penalty, primarily because they realized it was too expensive. I don't think they were really thinking of the inhumanity of it. So... What I would like you to do is to join the fight against the death penalty. Again, go to Google. Google the death penalty. There are some websites in there that are for and against the death penalty. There's a website that has facts about the death penalty. Go to that site and it's telling you what the facts are. I think if you look at that, you'll start to think, maybe the death penalty isn't good. It doesn't work. It doesn't cut down on murder. In fact, the murder rate increases when the state has a death penalty. So, what can you do? Life without parole? Actually, in a way, that's a death penalty, too. Should a murderer ever get paroled?
That depends on the murderer. Like I say, 20 years later, you have a different person. Person may be worse, they may be better. Parole boards are famous for letting the wrong people go. There was a, I read a book called 99 Years Plus Life. The guy's last name was Sands. I can't remember his first name. I read it a long time ago. One of the few books I ever read from cover to cover. In fact, I think I even read it twice. But he was sentenced to 99 years plus life. He wrote a book and he became well known for his ideas and his thoughts. And they gave him parole. And as soon as he was off parole, he went. He left the country, went to France. But in his book, he said that there should be one sentence for every crime. That's one year to life. And that way, if the parole board have any sense at all, they won't be letting the guys out of prison that should not be out of prison. And the people who should be out of prison will be letting go. I'll be putting them on parole. And they'll be on parole for the rest of their life. And I'm sure you'd find that after a while on parole, some of them may say, well, They've done well, so it's they won't have to report. But they'll still be on parole. See, the problem is that the parole boards let the wrong people out of prison. A lot of times, a model prisoner is not going to get out because he's not going to come back. They want the ones to get out that will come back. The ones that will go back to crime. And I'm willing to bet that they get real happy when someone is murdered by a parolee. Prisons are warehouses. They don't train people for when they get out. 85% are going to get out of prison. Wouldn't you much rather have them have a way of getting a job, have a, a vocation so they can go out, get some work, and not have to go back to crime? It may be expensive, but it's a hell of a lot cheaper than paying for the crimes that they commit. Prison treatment. And I would imagine that the prisoners in this country are treated worse than any other country in the world. Now, 
lot of people may disagree, and I am sure that there are some prisons that are worse. From what I understand, Mexican prisons are even improving. Michigan, we have a horrible prison system. Medical care in prisons are outrageous. Many prisons have a private company doing their medical care. Doctors that don't give a damn and doctors that probably shouldn't even be doctors. They can't make it on the outside until they go to work in the prisons. And they can't be sued for malpractice. So, what you got to remember again, these people, many of them are going to come back out. We have to give them health care. Because, number one, that's the main thing to do. But many people say, who gives a damn about the prisoners? They committed a crime, they should pay for it. But should they pay more than they deserve to pay? Many are in there for nonviolent crimes. And let's look at pedophiles. I think pedophiles should get life. I don't think he should get out of prison. But many people who are in prison for crimes against children are innocent. Over 25%, I am sure, are innocent. The same with rape. I don't think a rapist should get out of prison. But they do. Then they have to register. And they live with us for the rest of their life. What about the innocent ones, though? It is harder to prove your innocence than it is for the state to prove an innocent person guilty. And many cases, the charges are brought against a person by someone with an axe to grind. In the case of children, they are grilled by the 
parent who is trying to get the other parent in jail, trying to get back at their former spouse, and the the child protective agencies will take a child that has not been molested and convince that child to say that they have been molested. Twenty years later, the child realizes that now that they're no longer a child, that they weren't molested. And then they recant their story. The guy's already been in prison for 20 years. He may have been killed because he's a child molester. I mean, the other prisoners don't care whether he says he's innocent or not because most of the prisoners say they're innocent anyway. We need to do something about our prison system. We need to have a full investigation of every prison in this country. Not only criminal investigation for corruption, and we need accounting investigation for corruption, and we need to look into the activities of the guards as far as bringing drugs into the prison. There's a lot that needs to be done. We have to think about not only the fact that these guys will be getting out, but we also have to worry about what they're going to do to us when they get out. And a lot of them, if they don't get parole, they're still going to get out. And when they're kept down longer and they don't get parole, they're going to be awfully upset. So, what are we going to do? First of all, look into the prison system. Again, use Google You'd be surprised how much information you can get. Whenever I have a question, I go to Google or Yahoo, a lot of the other search engines. Write your congressman. Write your state legislators. Write your governor. Now, Michigan, our governor isn't too swift when it comes to the prisons conditions. I sent her letters before and she said, turns them over to the prison system. People run the system and they're the problem. So we need to do something. And future shows 
I'll be talking about innocent prisoners. I'll be talking about prison conditions. I'll tell you some stories about some guilty prisoners. Some of them I can't tell you because the words get a little harsh, but maybe I can think of a way to get around that. You have a good day. Goodbye.